Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Backstage at Platt House, Season 2, The Performing Arts in the Pandemic. I'm your host, Jaden Klubeck. My pronouns are he, him, his. At Penn, I'm a junior studying psychology and minoring in political science. In the performing arts scene, I am the current chair of Stimulus Children's Theater, a member of the Theater Arts Council, also known as TACI, and a founding member of the Performing Arts in the Pandemic Project. And I'm very excited to introduce our first guest of season two, uh, my friend, Tommy Cristaldi. Uh, so Tommy, would you like to introduce yourself, just your pronouns? Uh, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm Tommy. Like you said, he, him, his pronouns. I am a sophomore here at Penn studying communications. In the performing arts scene, I am the community liaison for Penn Players. I am generally involved in the tacky scene, and I produced Players Musical in the fall and the One Axe Festival this winter. That's amazing. And I can't wait to talk about that with you, uh, especially your leadership experiences this, uh, this past year has been um, remarkable, uh, especially in such a historic time. Uh, so uh, just kind of want to start up with some, I guess, some icebreakers. Uh, first, just what, what are you doing this season in the performing arts? Like, and how have things been going this spring? Sure. So this spring, I am super excited to finally be kind of taking some time to relax. I am on Lights Crew for the big tacky collaboration uh, we are putting on Pipeline, which should be really, really great. I'm just happy that I am not in charge of it. Um, you know, producing two shows back to back was a lot of fun. But I am also very grateful to not have to do that now. I'm grateful for the break and for more time to focus on schoolwork while still getting to be a part of the community and participate in the big collaboration, which is something that I have been looking forward to doing for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the Tacky collaboration and what, what that process has been like so far? Yeah, sure. So it's really great. Um, almost all of the Tacky boards are sort of uniting to put on one play, um, virtually, of course, given the circumstances. But there's been a lot of communication between the different groups. Um, it's, it's been a unique thing to manage, just given that that's a lot more people than are typically working on one show. But um, I'm excited to see where it goes. We had our first production meeting last week. That was really great. Do we have any idea of uh, when the, the show will be uh, available to watch? I understand that's maybe throwing a, uh, um, a curveball because um, shows have been kind of tough to, to schedule lately. Well, you know, the wonderful thing about not producing this show is that I don't have an answer for you. I think they're <laughs> shooting for the end of April. Not 100% certain. Don't quote me on that. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'll know when they tell me it's not my decision this time. Yeah, it's, it's great to not be in charge and just be able to relax. I can relate to that as a former producer. Uh, yeah, and people can stay tuned on the Theater Arts Council Facebook and Instagram for more updates on that if people are interested. Uh, so uh, just to kind of open, open this up, like what has your performing arts experience been like this past year? So from, say... March 2020 to now, um, can you kind of walk us through, you've produced two shows, uh, you've also done other things. What, what has been the kind of the general takeaways of uh, your experience this past year in the performing arts? Sure. So my last big like performing arts memory before 
the world went a little crazy um, was promo pictures day for Frog and Toad. Um, and, yeah. you know, that was a really great day. And I didn't realize that that would be, you know, kind of the end of in-person interaction for a long time. Um, and I think there was a little while after that, but that's the last one that really stands out to me as like a big group thing that I did. And so it was weird at first. I didn't really know what was going to happen or how things were going to come together. Um, I knew from the start, like I still wanted to be doing theater and I still wanted to be putting on shows. And I was very, very adamant about, I mean, everyone in players was certain that we wanted to do something, but like my, my goal from the beginning was let's be as ambitious as possible with this. And you know, to some degree, maybe I bit off a little more than I can chew. Um, I do have a little bit of, I, I feel a little bit burnt out after doing it twice in a row in terms of producing, just because that's such a big job. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it was so, so rewarding. And I really learned a ton. Um, we did something that I feel like, I mean, I'm sure other people beat us to it in the sense of like during the pandemic, other groups at other institutions or whatever put out virtual shows before we did but prior to I think just in the past year we did something that hadn't even really been thought of before um doing a, a musical like that entirely virtually no two people ever in the same physical space um was was certainly a challenge but also obviously a, a really rewarding experience for me yeah absolutely and I I remember what it was like um I was there at Frog and Toad promo pictures as well and uh, I had that similar feeling of like, um, oh, wait, like this is the last, that was one of the last things we did before we, we left for spring break and didn't come back. Uh, I'm curious in hearing more, uh, can you tell us, our, our listeners, what Players did last fall, the production? Sure. So last fall, uh, Players put on a production of Tuck Everlasting, the musical based on the book of the same name, and it was entirely pre-recorded edited together like a movie, which was a unique challenge to be sure. I learned a lot from doing that. Um, it was really interesting because as I said earlier, no two people in our cast were ever in the same space. So one of our performers was at home in West Virginia. We had a performer in Georgia, someone was in Pittsburgh and a couple people in Philadelphia, but even the people who were in the city weren't interacting. They couldn't share the screen together. So it was, you would think that it would be a, an experience that would really emphasize the isolation that we were all going through, but I think it actually did the opposite. I feel like it really did wonders for bringing us together and for fostering that sense of community that I felt was really lacking after being sent home, like in those initial couple weeks where it felt super uncertain and things like that. And so getting to put a lot of my energy into that um, and to putting together a show with green screens and ring lights and all these things that I had never even thought I would need to use as a theater performer, as a behind the scenes tech person in live theater. Um, and, you know, it was tough having to come to the conclusion that we couldn't do the show live because I think that there's just something so, you know, I, I struggle to even describe it, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Live theater just hits different. Yes. Um, it's the kind of thing that you're seeing it happen and you know, like nobody else is ever getting this same experience I'm getting. Um, 
And so having to pre-record the show, logistically, that was obviously the smartest option. It meant that we had the cleanest audio. Um, there were, in theory, no technical hiccups, although, you know, there were a few in in the long run. But it was that was tough, but I'm I'm very happy with the way the finished product turned out. Absolutely. Yes. I, I still think about Tuck Everlasting sometimes. It was just beautifully done. Uh with the the backgrounds and everything. It felt it felt like you were watching like a movie, <laughs> which is uh which is remarkable. Uh one question that I'm I'm really excited to ask about that I think um some of our viewers, both in 2021 and in the future, uh whenever they're listening to this, may be interested in is what were auditions like during Tuck Everlasting and tech interviews? How did how did they happen? And uh, how did you manage that as a, as a producer, uh, both of Tuck and of um, Tucky One X? Yeah, so I really love just the energy that surrounds auditions usually. Um, I love, you know, seeing everybody in the hallway interacting and smiling and, you know, there's nerves always. Um, it was really difficult to figure out how we wanted to do auditions in a virtual setting, just because people's internet connections are unreliable. Zoom has lag when it comes to singing. So what we settled on for Tuck Everlasting was people would send in a video and our, I would watch it. Our director would watch it, our music director and our stage manager, and we would watch them. And then we did live callbacks and our music director, Jeff, was super, super awesome. He recorded tracks um, for, I think, all of the songs in the show. Definitely everything we needed. In terms of auditions, it was everything we needed for callbacks. And he made those available to people so that they could come to their callback and be playing the music off of their own phone. So while there might be some lag in terms of the way it came across to us, it wasn't like lag where one person on one screen and one Wi-Fi connection is playing the piano and another person on another screen with another Wi-Fi connection is singing. So the idea that even if there was that delay, it was all delayed, um, which I think was a pretty, pretty great solution, if I do say so myself. And it wouldn't have been possible without such an incredible music director. Um, really was great to get to work with him. I think that Auditions were kind of rough, just in the sense that, you know, I, I mean, obviously I was producing in the fall, um, so I wouldn't have had the chance to audition anyway. But if I, if I weren't, and if I was in just, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Like having to record myself singing, um, I don't like listening back to, to old performances or anything like that. So I can't imagine that that was easy. And part of me does wonder if that affected turnout and if that continues to affect turnout. But, you know, we had an incredible cast. So evidently enough people wanted to do it. And um, yeah, it was, you know, those people are braver than I am, but it worked out. It, it wasn't the preferred scenario. Preferred is you're in the audition room because there's that banter there, you know, that you, you don't get to connect over video. You can't feed off of that energy. But ultimately, we had a cast, we had a show, the show was pretty good, I think. So it all worked out in the end. Fantastic. And uh, quickly, uh, tech interviews, how did, uh, how did those play out? Right, yeah. So tech interviews, we kind of had to do differently in the sense that 
they were no longer a thing that you had to go to. We had a Zoom call. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, it was all of the groups on one Zoom call in various breakout rooms. Mm. And people would just come in and like chat with us about what tech we needed because there were so many roles that we had never had before. You know, we never needed um, a, a videographer or video editors for that matter. Um, and even the roles that we had used in the past, like the job of a lights designer is so different in person when you're working at a light board and you're programming lights or in a virtual setting where you're basically just popping into a zoom call saying, yeah, I can see your face. It's the commitments were very different. So it was good that we had that, but, um, it was, it was a shame because I also really love tech interviews. I love going even when like, I don't, in, I mean, I always in, in all of my time at Penn, I've always been working on some show, but I've always gone and chatted at all of the tables at tech interviews, even on the shows I knew I, I didn't have the time to work on just because I love the energy and I love interacting with people. So it wasn't, it wasn't great having quite a few forms come in where the people were busy that day. They didn't get to make it to the zoom call. And like, I don't blame them for that. Obviously I've had to miss my share of optional zoom calls too, but it was just a shame because there were a couple people who are in the credits for Tuck Everlasting that for one reason or another, I don't think I ever met. Um, you know, I'm sure they were at the production meetings, but by the end of by the end of the meetings to save time, we stopped doing icebreakers. So all it would take is for someone to to miss the first two, three prod meetings for whatever reason. And I didn't know them because you know I was in touch with the designers but the designers handled their crews and that's how it had to be for efficiency's sake. But the end result is like, there are people who helped us make this awesome show and I could walk past them on locust walk and have no idea, you know? And so that wasn't fun. That was probably my least favorite part of having to do everything virtually um, just in general. But ultimately tech interviews worked. We had a full production staff. So looking on the bright side, there's that. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully those people who, who worked on Tech Everlasting, who worked on uh, Tacky One Axe would uh, be interested in working again in another production, hopefully uh, when we're back in person and we'll be able to see each other's faces and uh, be in the flesh, so to speak. It uh, brings me to ask um, this, this kind of related question, but what has been the, the biggest lesson you've learned from doing performing arts in the pandemic? And this can be as a producer, it could be as a performer, a crew member, it could be uh, as a board member, like you've, you've done it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I have. Um, it's, you know, it wasn't until you said as a performer that I remembered that I also have done some acting. I produced one act, but I was also acting in one act. Um, and I, I acted in front rows production of the courtroom and I had a busy mm. winter clearly. Um, but in terms of something I learned, it's just, you have to be willing to adapt. Um, and I think that a big thing for me was never say we can't do that. We can't make that happen. I mean, with the exception of like during Tuck Everlasting, we had to say we can't be in the same physical space. That was something we couldn't do, but not because we like were incapable, but because it was like a health and safety concern. No time during any of these processes have I ever wanted to say 
that's not feasible. We can't make that happen. I've always really believed in producing the greatest end product possible by dreaming big. And sometimes those things don't work out, but you don't know if you don't try. And so the big thing for me is just always being willing to try new things, op be, be open to new ideas. Um, that ambition to create something great has been something that I feel like I've always had, but knowing that now I've had to apply it to a completely different circumstance has been, um, you know, it was, it was a cool experience, I guess. I, I learned to really keep an open mind always. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think having that open-mindedness is, uh, is so important. I think or like even beyond theater, I think that that will, that will serve you very well. So, well, I, I, I'm curious to, to hear a little bit more about uh, kind of some of the uh, logistics and how things, how things turned out, uh, especially that you, you've led a couple productions, like how, how was it managing um, all these different moving parts where everyone is on different parts of the country, different parts of the world? Uh, how were you and how were players and Tacky able to, to pull off that? I mean, obviously it wasn't easy. Um, it was a challenge, but I think that the big thing was um, giving ourselves a lot of time. And I think that was a lesson that we learned through Tuck Everlasting um, that I then brought with me to producing one acts was however much time you think you're going to need, give yourself another couple days because you never know what's going to come up. You never know how long someone's going to take to complete a task. We're all, we're all going through it right now. You know, everybody has their own stuff going on and as much as we all love doing theater, theater isn't the only thing we're doing. Theater isn't the only thing we need to worry about right now. So that was kind of the biggest challenge in that mm -hmm. the communication was there and everybody was really good about that. But in terms of even like you look at production meetings that happen weekly and when they happen after weekly rehearsals, they're still late at night. You know, those rehearsals end at 1030 but you go and you're in a physical space and there's energy there. Everyone's tired, but like there's that energy and the meeting moves quickly because we're all in the same space and we're all communicating with no type of lag or anything. Everybody can meet with the people they need to meet with and get stuff done right away. The meetings are quick, but in a virtual setting, you have to assign everyone to their breakout rooms. You have to go through and, you know, it's one thing to walk to a physical space for a meeting at 10.30 p.m. It's another thing entirely to have to turn on your computer in the same room you've been sitting in all day, staring at the same screen you've been staring at all day. Um, and running meetings efficiently was something that was really hard to do in the beginning. Um, our first production meeting for Tuck Everlasting started at 10.30 and went like at least an hour and a half. It was It was a problem and that was... Probably my my biggest, you know, failure, I would say, in, in doing that. And I, I remedied it eventually, but that was I was disappointed early on in the fact that I couldn't make those meetings shorter and I couldn't really figure out how to do that. And like I said, I, I got there eventually. Um, and I definitely improved that going into one X and everything. But that was a big struggle with managing so many people on a Zoom call. And I'm no Zoom expert. Like I, I go to my classes on Zoom or whatever, but it was the first time I had to host a Zoom meeting and do everything that is involved with that. And I don't know, it's not like the hardest thing to do, but 
it just, it all would have been so much easier had we all been together. And I think that it's never easy to manage a large group of people. Like I think producing in person, as I'm sure you can attest to still isn't easy, but it's easier because there's just something about being in the same space um, that I think really I took for granted before you can, you just get your point across faster, I guess. So that was the hardest part. I think we pulled it off. Like everybody was really great about staying in contact with the people they needed to mm -hmm. getting their stuff done in, in terms of deadlines, but, um, wasn't easy. No, absolutely. And, um, like I, I can attest, um, as a member of, uh, Tuck Everlasting that you did a great job at, uh, adjusting things to the virtual format. You were really a trailblazer for us because, uh, you were doing something none of us have done before. Um, yeah. And I, I, I totally relate to the idea of like putting ourselves down and we're like, ah, oh, I could have done that better, but like, it's all learning lessons. And I think, um, I think you did good. First of all, I really appreciate that. One of the, the things that stands out to me with producing Tuck Everlasting specifically was, you know, we didn't decide on a producer until after we had been sent home. And it was a couple months after we had been sent home and Tias, who is the player's chair, was like, who wants to produce in the fall? And I took a lot of time, like crafting my, my message of intent to be sent to players board. And here's why I want to produce. And it turned out that I, I'm pretty sure I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I was the only one who expressed an interest. And I think this is because mm -hmm. I learned, I learned this later on through talking with some of my friends also on board, everybody, but me knew that the world wasn't going to be back to normal by the fall. When I signed on to produce, I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. Like maybe we'll have to have reduced capacity, but we'll still have a show like in person. It'll be a musical the same way musicals have always been. And I think that um, I was a little too optimistic in that regard. I think that, you know, I had higher expectations than I should have. And so having to pivot and adapt to doing something virtually was certainly a challenge because that's not what I thought I was signing up for. And don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Like I'm really proud of the end result. Um, I'm really happy with the experience that I had, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I, I share that surprise with you. Um, like up to August, 2020, when, uh, when Penn decided, Oh, actually rather than going hybrid and, uh, bringing everyone back, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to go full virtual. Uh, I feel like, um, all the theater groups and i well, everyone at Penn and many uh, and across many universities, uh, had to pivot just like we did. And it's just, it was a big challenge. I, I recall as well, uh, serving as, um, as chair of STEM, uh, stimulus children's theater, because we were also like, Oh, this is uncharted territory. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. Uh, so we, we, we had to pivot as well, uh, and decided to do a play. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of looking towards the future. I understand similar to how last fall, we didn't know what was going to happen. We had to kind of change our expectations. What are you most looking forward to right now in the, the near future and uh, and the, the far future? In the near future, I am looking forward to this summer. I am, you know, I've had, it's been a rough year, I think, for everyone. Um, and I've still had a great year and I've had great experiences in front of a computer screen and some safely in person, um, distanced and outdoors. But I am looking forward to getting a vaccine, 
hopefully sometime real soon. And just getting to get back to some semblance of normal life again. Um, and there's definitely a risk that I am being too optimistic, just like I was when I thought for sure that we would be putting on a, a, a musical in person, as is tradition. Um, but I really think that the optimism is warranted this time. And I, I think that things are going to be looking up soon. In, in the long term, I guess I'm looking forward to getting to see live musicals again and see live plays again and get to work on that and get mm -hmm. to be in those same, in the same room as everyone else working on it. I, I don't think that, I think that my first 1030 production meeting in the basement of Harrison is going to be a really, really great time. Um, I'm sure that mm. I won't agree with that the following morning when I'm waking up for class and I'm exhausted, but I'm going to really look forward to just getting to share those spaces with some of my favorite people again and just to, to have some semblance of normalcy back, definitely. Absolutely. And um, that, that, that kind of makes me think of this, uh, this other point. Um, when we finally get to that, uh, that point when we're, we're doing in-person theater again, like, let's say, like, let's go forward maybe a couple years when um, you're about to graduate from Penn and some, a, a young, a young underclassman asks you, you were here during the pandemic doing the performing arts. What was that like? What, what do you think you, you, would, you would say to them? I understand it's probably going to be different once, you're, once you get to that point. But if you were to uh, tell someone that now, what, what do you think you would say? I think that for me, the big thing is that what I am most proud of is not the end result. You know, Tuck Everlasting was great. The One X Festival was great. Um, but for me, it's not so much about what we put out as the fact that we were able to put it out at all. It's, you know, the fact that we kept these communities alive and vibrant in a time when so many other, I mean, you see it all across the country. There are businesses that are collapsing and things like that. And obviously we're not a business, you know, we, we're not reliant on making an income and, and things like that. So we do operate under different rules. And, and if, if you asked me, you know, if you could go back a year and there would be no pandemic, would you prefer that? Yeah, totally. Like absolutely 100%. But I also don't have any regrets necessarily. And I know that, you know, I'm lucky in that I am not a graduating senior yet. Um, I am not, I wasn't, you know, I, I got some time on campus before we were sent home. So it's not like I started college virtually. Um, and I know that I'm really lucky in that regard. And I'm sure that my, my view on this is different from someone who didn't get that. But for me, mm. while it wasn't preferred and while if given the choice, I wouldn't do it over again, I don't have, like, I feel good about these past couple months, about the things that I've done, they're, the, the lessons that I've learned. It's, Doing performing arts in the pandemic, I think if, if someone asked me like years down the line, what was it like? I would say it was a challenge, but it was a rewarding challenge. And it was mm. hopefully unlike anything I'll ever have to experience again. So 
Yeah, thank you, Tommy. That, that was a very thoughtful response. Tommy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been so great to kind of hear about your experiences with uh, Tech Everlasting and uh, One Axe and everything else in between. Uh, where could our viewers uh, find you online? First of all, thank you for having me. This has been a ton of fun. Um, as a communications major, talking is my favorite thing. So it's been great to get to talk with you today. Um, I am on Instagram at Tommy Cristaldi. Uh, that's just my first and last name. No underscores, no dots, no fancy spaces or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook, I guess. I don't know. That. Yeah, sure. You can find me. You, you know where I'm at. Uh, it's it's just my name everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you'll be able to see uh, how to spell both of our names on on this episode. Fantastic. Alrighty. Uh, this has been an episode of Backstage at Platt House, the Performing Arts in the Pandemic Edition. We've got more interviews on the way, so please be sure to subscribe. If you've got time, please give us a rating or a review to help more Penn folks and Performing Arts folks find us. Finally, follow our pages on Facebook, Platt Student Performing Arts House and UPenn Pack Shop, and on Instagram at Penn Platt House and at Pack Shop 4100. I'm Jaden Klubeck. And you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Jaden Clue. That's J-A-D-E-N-C-L-O-O. Our theme music is Retro Climb by my talented friend, Peter Liu. Thank you to Sarah Outing for organizing this podcast and to Amanda Levante for editing this episode. And as always, thank you for listening. Let's go.